Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the John Stewart to my Hal Jordan. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I'm feeling capable and intellectual and uh, oh, yeah. stern. Yeah, and our very own uh, Kyle Rayner. It's Eric Ronovec. Eric, how are you feeling today? I'm doing great. I thought you were going to yeah. go like Guy Gardner or... Maybe like the squirrel Green Lantern. So I'm feeling pretty good. Should I just call him just regular squirrel girl? <laughs> hey, that's a thing now. Squirrel yeah, squirrel heroes. Are they gonna? Is there gonna be a squirrel girl movie? Do you think? Probably. I mean, Marvel's running out of ideas. They made Ant Man cool. They'll do something with Squirrel Girl. They got yeah, a turn. Canada. They just like pushed back every single Marvel movie one slot for coronavirus. They're like, now Black Widow comes out at the end of summer, and now this one comes out here. And they just like, Eter- Eternals moved back. Are you excited for that Eternals movie? No, I was. I was like, man, if they release Black Widow, I'll pay twenty bucks for that just to just to see a new movie and support it. And then they pushed it back, and I was like, they should just give us Eternals because no one wants to see that movie anyway. I think uh, that that's new new mutants. Maybe they'll just give us new mutants. Just give us something, man. I'm assuming new mutants is going to end up coming out on uh, on streaming because it's been pushed back in every other way possible by now. They're trying to wait until uh, Maisie Williams has a kid, and then they're like, "Okay, now new mutants can come out." Uh, it's it's um, it's finally time. Uh, I speaking of buying a movie just to have something new to watch, I bought and watched a Bloodshot. And I'm just going to say that was certainly a movie. Okay. (laughs) That's that's my review of uh, a bloodshot. That's probably the best review it's gotten so far. Mm -hmm. Probably. Okay. So we've got um, today, we're going to, we got to check in. We got to check in with everyone. What's your temperature check for the Jadavian Clowney situation? Eric, go first. Oh man. What was that last week? 50, 50. I'm at, uh, you know what? I'm going to say 3470 against because the the current articles state that it is a long shot to get him. And I don't really know how much has changed because we don't know anything. But I'll say, you know what? I went from we're probably not getting him to we're probably getting him to 50-50. So let's just go back where we started from. Like, It's probably not going to happen. No big deal. Just let it go. Okay. Uh, Kevin, where are you at on Jadavian Clowney? You know, I'm saying 50-50 because either we'll get them or we won't. I uh, That's always statistics works. My thing here is that uh, we need to kind of set a deadline here. I don't – I think missing out on Everson Griffin if we don't get Clowney would be p- kind of backbreaking. That would be a significant problem. The way that we planned our offseason. And so we need to say like, hey, look, Jadavian, this is our offer. It's our best offer. If you don't want it, that's fine. We had a good season with you. It was we really liked having you around, but we need to move on if you can't sign by X day. And it does kind of screw up our draft uh, strategy because, to be honest, it gets really difficult for me to see how you leave the draft without an edge player if you don't sign Jadavian Clowney um, or or Everson Griffin. So like then we're looking at kind of forcing our hand in the draft, which always kind of ends poorly for the Seahawks. When they force it, that's when some of our worst picks happen. Jermaine Effetti. Um, so LJ so, Collier. <laughs> yeah, like when when we feel yeah, LJ Collier. We were backed into a corner last year. We did not have any edge players. We pick LJ Collier in the first round. Like that was not great. And he was a nothing burger last year. So and I'm not saying he can't get better, 
that there definitely is room for improvement over last year. And his, what do you have? Two pressures, one pressure, um, and had, 200 snaps or something. Snap, but now he has all the pressure. Yeah. So there's definitely room for improvement there, but we just need to see that, that growth arc start. And yeah, that we are totally forced into making that happen, but we're not going to talk too much about defense events today. That's going to come next week or later this week. I'm not sure. hundred percent sure. Our schedules are all wacky now because we're, we're just putting out extra content whenever we feel like making it and not just recording on Tuesdays. So we record on Tuesdays always, but also but, other days, not always. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope you guys enjoy, enjoyed some of the extra stuff. If you like it, uh, you know, hit us up in, in the discord or on Twitter or something like that. Um, all right, today we're going to try, we're going to start with tight ends and then, uh, we're going to move to offensive tackles. We're going to get those big slabs of beef out of the way. Uh, so some of these, these are some big boys. Uh, let's start with tight ends. Uh, first of all, let's just take a state of the roster. Eric, the tight ends currently on the roster, the Seahawks have, uh, they have Greg Olson. They have Luke Wilson, Hollister, Jacob. And Uncle Bill Disley, as he has, uh, he called himself today on the uh, tight ends room thing on the Seahawks. On the Seahawks, I uh, I yeah, it was actually it was more fun than I thought it would be. Although they spent way too much time just talking about like how Zoom works. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, definitely some olds talking about olds things. I was like, you guys are <laughs> such so so weird. But uh, Luke Wilson changed his background picture to a Canadian flag. It's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I, I found it. I found it enjoyable. Uh, so, first of all, Eric, do you see tight end as a significant need for the Seahawks this offseason At this point, uh, I don't. I don't. We, I, as far as I'm concerned, we had a Jacob Hollister who is very valuable to this team, or valuable enough. We had a uh, Will Disley who we hope is going to be the star that we want him to be, uh, which I think he is that if he can just stay healthy or even relatively healthy. If he can miss four games a year, I'd be so happy about that. But then we bolster the offense with Greg Olson. This is a huge pickup for us. Uh, and then we have Luke Wilson also. Uh, <laughs> I dare you. At me. I like I like how you I like how you just go. And we also have Luke Wilson. Um, and then tiny tiny calves himself. John Gruden's my boy. We go way back to the Monday Night Football days, and uh, man's got tiny caps. Anyway, so if we were to draft a tight end, um, kind of like you were saying in the Discord earlier this week, we were talking about what is the earliest you take a running back? What is the latest you take this? And I said something about linebacker, and I almost typed in how early of a pick would it make you mad to get a tight end? And But I was like, nah, that's, that's just like bait. Don't put that out there. But if um, we went like early first or second round with a tight end that would probably make me pretty angry yeah there's only one tight end i would be happy with us taking in the and the soonest i'd want to take them is probably 64 if yep. cole if cole Komet is sitting there at 64 and we take him i'd be pretty stoked on that just because i feel like it's it's slight value i think he's a little better than 64th draft slot and it's not a need but he is a talented football player who would really fit well in our system uh can can kind of win routes but also hold his own in the blocking game um he can get to the second level and he's he works hard in the run game whereas which i think matters a lot um if you look at the guys who have been successful blocking in in the pros not all of them have been great college blockers i think like george kittle's a good example of this he was a he wasn't a great college blocker but he was very willing and he worked on and you could tell he worked on his technique and that same is true of Cole Komet. He's not like the best blocker I've ever seen as a college tight end, but he works really hard and you can tell he's he's trying with his technique. And it makes me think that as a pro, he's going to take that seriously and continue to grow as a blocker. 
So I kind of like Cole Commit, but I wouldn't because of, like you said, Eric, this isn't particularly a position of need. Any earlier than sixty four feels like kind of kind of reaching. I mean, fifty nine is not too far from sixty four, so I'd probably be fine with that too. But but yeah, if we traded back our first round pick to like the early second and then picked him, I'd be I'd be Nick Young question mark face a little bit. Yeah, if we picked him at twenty seven, I would just be actively rioting. Yeah. Um, so, Kevin, are, do you agree with me that in my assessment that Colt Komet's kind of the only guy that that you feel safe with taking with like one of our second round picks? Yeah, I'll go a step further. I think Colt Komet's the only tight end that's worth a pick in the first three rounds overall. Okay. And um, what did you like about Colt Komet as you dug into the tape? Uh, I like that he was able to stretch the defense at the seam which is really nice. Um, So he has the speed to stretch him vertically, but he uses his size really well on crossing routes. He's kind of a first down machine. Like he can do a little more than that, but he's just a guy who can pick up the sticks a lot. He kind of bullied tight ends too. And another thing is I liked that I saw on the tape too, is they did use him in the backfield a little bit as like a H back, which would mean that we could cut, we could not have a fullback next year. We could just (laughs) use him. Then this is something that is true of a couple different guys in this draft, but Cole, I was about to say, uh, I was about to say, I hope you're, I hope you're looking for a theme here, Eric, because yeah. you're going to hear a theme. But Cole Komet, kind of two types of dudes. Cole Komet is like the, uh, the fancy version of that, where he's a real tight end, but also could go in the backfield. We could play like a three tight end set with Komet, Olsen, and Hollister, or something like that. And then all of a sudden, there's all this flexibility because all three of those guys can line up in different spots. Komet could go out in the slot with Hollister out wide, and all of a sudden, we're in this like passing set, and teams would have to react to that. Whereas, or we could bring them all in tight and have this really big running set with all these guys that can that are legitimate blockers. Although Hollister, you know, a little less so than the other guys, but still, I think Hollister is a willing blocker. And is- I think Hollister is a decent blocker for a fullback if we think about him that way. Or like he's a plus blocking wide receiver. Yeah, he's 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 not like uh, terrible. He's just slight. He's too small to be doing like the big job in line. But yep. But uh, it's it's like that. I like guys like that that allow the team to use them in creative ways. Komet also fourth number four tight end in the forty, number one in the vertical, number two in the broad jump. Just an explosive athlete that I think the Seahawks could really get to. And even though the explosion didn't always show up on tape, I'm willing to kind of blame that on Notre Dame rather than Colt Komet. I just think it's the uniform. Notre Dame players just always look a little slow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so so our clear tier one is Colt Komet. Uh, we would probably be fine with him at the end of round two. The Seahawks have a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick. So let's break it down like that. Who are who are the guys that you see as kind of maybe the those end of fourth round guys, the fourth round guys that the Seahawks should be looking at? Let's give me a, give me two names, Kevin. And I'll give you two, and then we'll see if there's any left over. Okay, I'm gonna give you uh, one guy is from the H back ish type, All and right. that's uh, a guy I know we're both pretty high on, uh, Josiah Deguara, mm-hmm. out of Cincinnati. Um, he's a guy who tested athletically a little better than I think a lot of people thought, but you and I both saw him on tape. He was a guy who um, displayed a lot of abilities. Like you ran a four, seven, two forty, but you saw him running away from linebackers. One thing Um, he has that H back build too, that we like. One thing that made me sad about Josiah is that, uh, is that I was on this guy pretty early, like way when he was like way down the draft board, like no one was talking about him yet. And now he's like, in everyone's like fourth, fourth round, third round, kind of yes. third through fifth mocks. And I, I just kind of, you know, everyone found out though, when he did the combine, he did too good. So it's like, it's like kind of, he, he was a riser. Uh, yeah, he was a combine. senior bowl and combine riser. 
which sure. yeah, you and I were on him when he was a five to seven prospect. Now he's a three to five prospect and they're all late to the party and we could add him. So like what, so you like him as a potential H back, like flexible fullback slash, uh, slash tight end kind of can yeah. fill both roles. And cause he's, he's stout enough and good enough. He can block in line or he can block from an offset or he can play in the backfield. Like he showed all of those in college and he showed them all like he's not a matchup nightmare by size or anything, but he's annoying to cover because he's bigger than some linebackers, especially coverage linebackers. And he's pretty quick and he runs pretty nice routes. And again, a good blocker. And he's strong. He can jump really high. And another thing too is he's crafty with the way he runs. Like he'll run a route, but he doesn't, he'll get a little creative with it so that he can get open. Um, my biggest problem with him is that he's he's not like a great catch radius guy. And I think he should be considering his physical tools, but he just um he it's just not isn't, something he really showed in college. I agree. It's just, it's just not there on the tape. I think part um, of it's the routes they had him run. And you're going to hear that with a guy later on, I think fits his profile, but he was running a lot of those routes where he kind of got hit in the bread basket with the ball quite a bit. So you didn't see him having to do a lot of those reach grabs. Yeah. And Ben, the, the, um, he came in at 240, he's 242, but he won the bench press. So I think that the kind of allays some of the size concerns is that he did 25 reps on the bench press. That should probably put, put you uh, at ease a little bit in terms of like his overall. Uh, and he's size. only 6'2". So 242 at 6'2 means he's pretty compact, which means that uh, he has a leverage advantage against a lot of guys. All right. Who's, uh, who's up next? All right. Uh, going the other way. There's a, a set of guys that I like to call uh, Tallister because okay, taller. they're like Jacob Hollister if if he was taller. Okay. Um, who, who do you got here? So somebody who I think fits this mold really well, who was originally talked about going a lot higher in the draft, is uh, Albert Okobonum, okay. who would have been one of the higher tight ends in last year's draft, but he had kind of a bad year this last year. He's a good size piece mis- mismatch combo guy. Um, a red zone weapon. He's six five. He has thirty four inch arms. He ran a four four nine forty. He was used in line, out wide. He was used in the slot. Um, he's he blocks like a big wide receiver right now. Like he's a very willing blocker, but his technique's bad. I I feel like sometimes he ducked his head and just like kind of threw himself in there, like the kind of like. Like, um, I'm trying, but like, not really. I felt like he's kind of a weak blocker. And another thing I didn't like about him is that he only ran the 40 and then hid in all the other quickness drills. And that, that bugs me because I felt like he was hiding something. <laughs> I don't know what, like if you run a four four nine forty, why would you not do the three cone and the broad jump and the vertical jump? Like that weirds me out. Because he's not a super explosive guy. Like yeah. he takes a minute to get uh, up and going on his inline speed. But I still think he reminds me a lot of Luke Wilson, only like with a with more upside. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan, but I, I could see what the appeal is there. I, I'll talk about two guys that I think are pretty similar when you watch the tape. That's Bryson Hopkins and Adam Troutman. Uh, the, the big difference is Troutman played at Dayton. So it's like um, a lot lower quality of a of opponent, but they're both kind of, um, go tight ends, uh, the slider guys who are going to play wide. If you think about, um, the way that the loss, I almost called them the Oakland Raiders, dude. It's like, um, my brain has been, uh, 
has been poisoned now. It's a, a Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Raiders used Darren Waller last year. That's the kind of what people will be looking at Bryson Hopkins and Adam Troutman to do. About 50% of inline snaps and 50% out, outline snaps. They both have pretty good footwork, and they both can move really well for, for tight ends. Uh, I think if I had to choose one, I'd probably pick Troutman. Uh, I think between, Troutman has a lot more upside. Between, between the two, because Troutman um, – they. Troutman looked really good at the senior bowl and kind of showed me something that I did, didn't see at his time at Dayton, which is that he was, he really went for it. And I think that there's kind of like an extra level that he still has in himself. Whereas Bryson Hopkins just seems like he kind of is what he is at this point. Um, yeah. Adam Troutman's a converted quarterback. So, you know, that he's got a lot more room left. The thing that bothered me was he's raw everywhere, which means that like his bus potential is kind of high. Uh, Bryson Hopkins, the thing that makes me hesitant on him is that he has a lot of um, drops and bad concentration misses. Yeah, I mean, his drop numbers, like total numbers are not that bad. But I mean, the ones they just look bad on the tape, though, you're right. Like they're very annoying. They're the most annoying kind of drops. Yeah, there's some Malik Turner type drops uh, where you just get the most angry about them. Um, all right, let's go to the next tier below. Well, the Eric- guys. Yeah. Any of those guys uh, jumping out at you is appealing if you're spending a fourth round pick? Um, honestly, no. I I've got a guy I've circled. You'd be surprised with crowd of me that I've circled for a late round. I'm gonna wait till we get close to that until his name pops up. And if he doesn't, oh, right. bring it. But um, right. really, the only the only tight end I'm looking at so far that we've even talked about is Cole Komet, and that's basically as um, bonus O line coverage. But again, I don't think he's gonna fall where we want him. Uh, so then it rounds five through seven. I think my big name is Thaddeus Moss. I mean, it's like a big name because it's Randy Moss's kid. Uh, I think he gets a lot of credit for he doesn't didn't drop any catchable passes, which is pretty good. Um, he's not super fast. He's not crazy athletic. Um, he only did the 40 and then didn't do anything else. Uh, but he's a really good blocker. Um, and so it could be could be like a good like h back tight end type who just comes in fulfills that blocking role and then if you need him to catch he's not going to screw it up because he he has good hands right he doesn't he trusts his hands he's a pretty good pass catcher he's not gonna you know really mess up the the catch because he 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 didn't do it any times at lsu and he had an nfl level thrower chucking it to him while he was there um, so that's that's kind of my guy is, is Thaddeus Moss is kind of a late round target. Seems like a guy the Seahawks would like too. There's a route that he was really, really good at, um, which are those routes where you stay in and you kind of chip block on the edge and then you leak out. And it's, it, it's a really simple type of route, except he was really good at getting in on the edge and like genuinely moving the dude. When he chipped you, you felt it. Like he would knock you about, uh, yeah, you know, about a foot and a half to the side. It looked physical. like somebody smacking a um, a, a typewriter in an old cartoon or something. Yeah, physical, physical blocker for sure. And he and he like, I mean, if you look at him, he's six foot one. He's or maybe six foot two. He does. He's not huge. His arms aren't long. So he's you six, think two, like two fifty, yeah. And yeah, he, so he you, uses his catch radius really well for only having 32 inch arms. Like he, you would think he has uh, bigger arms cause he really maximizes his catch radius. Right. He really maximizes everything he has. I think 
Thaddeus Moss, the thing is, is he's not like his dad where he's just like a physical freak, you know, and everything's going to be great, but he maximized every tool that he had and it's going to get him onto an NFL roster because that's the kind of guy you just keep around, right? A guy who knows exactly what to do, who makes good plays. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan. I, I don't, there's a chance that because of the name value being Randy Moss's kid, he gets drafted way too high. And then that, that's a problem. Like, but whatever, if whatever pick the Vikings have in the fifth round. Right. But, but Ooh. if he, but if he's there waiting for us, you know, in, in the sixth or we can, or we trade back and pick up a fifth round pick and he's kind of hanging out, he is going to be a, a plug and play, like really good uh, blocking tight end. And I think that that's valuable. Also could do some H back stuff. Um, he, and he did line up wide some too. I would never do that <laughs> in the NFL, but he, he doesn't, um, he can do it. So they actually lined up both of their tight ends wide at times. It was it was they had some odd packages at LSU. It was interesting. Yeah, St- Steven Sullivan's not not horrible either. Uh, okay, Kevin, who's your uh, late round guy that you All really right. like? So I've got uh, Dalton Keene and Harrison Bryant are my two guys. So Harrison Bryant out of FAU is one of those guys six five, ran a four seven three forty. He's more of that mismatch up the seam, tall but fast kind of guy. Um, he's a little bit better of a blocker though. He might go maybe more in four than six, but he's an interesting guy if he ends up sitting around there late. But the guy that I really, really like is Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. Um, he's another guy who fits that H back mold, has a great athletic profile, around a four seven, one forty. His testing numbers were really good. Um, the thing is you have to do a lot of projection. His blocking skills you saw, he has really good change of direction. He's able to mirror and block nicely. He can handle uh, defensive backs, linebackers, and like pass rushing edge players on the end. He's strong enough for that, but he has a really limited route tree. Um, He has good hands, and he moves well after the catch, but they just didn't ask him to do much beyond very, very basic types of route running. You can, so, you can, you can just say it, dude. They didn't ask him to do anything. I mean, they asked him to do a lot of lead blocking. They asked him to do a lot of uh, chipping. But when it comes to like complex work as a as a tight end in passing routes, that just wasn't what they had him do. Yeah, it's just weird that like he's a he wasn't like a four year starter too, or like uh, he played a ton. Yeah, he played quite a bit. And they just didn't they just didn't ask him to do to do that much in that regards, which is just kind of odd to me. But uh, yeah, but he's interesting because as a late round guy. He could be a fullback and a tight end. He uh, has a really, really good athletic profile, and he played for Virginia Tech, so he knows how to play special teams. All right, Eric, you said you had a guy. Did we did we get him? No, um, I I actually I actually like uh, Dalton Keene as a uh, as a as a pick. I think he's running some mock drafts over the last couple of weeks. I feel like he's probably going to go in the fifth or the or the fourth. Um, just people will take a jump on him. If we have a seventh round pick and we usually the Seahawks have someone in mind, but someone may be in the free agent pool or if we get like a really late round pick, Cheyenne O'Grady out of Arkansas. Oh, oh no. Really? I, th- I actually thought you might say this. How come? I, I don't know, but you know why he's, you know why he's so, everyone's so low on him, right? No, I don't. This is why. Oh, okay. So when you watch scouting. So know. when you watch Cheyenne O'Grady, you think like this guy's pretty good, right? And um, and he can block in line, and he runs, he runs pretty good, and he can run a lot of shallow routes and get yes. uh, get open. Um, he quit in the middle of the season last year. 
Well, that's not even deep scouting, and I didn't know. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah, so he 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 got in legal trouble and then quit. So he got arrested for theft. Was it Kevin? Do you remember? I can't remember exactly. I remember at some is. point he got in trouble for DUI, and then yeah. I couldn't remember if it was on campus theft. I was gonna look it up real quick if you want to fill. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he had some kind of legal issue, and I think that there was gonna be some kind of team based punishment, and he was just like, "Nope, not doing that," and so he just quit instead, which is certainly a reaction to have. So I actually, I get why you like him. Cheyenne O'Grady. Yeah, this looks good. Yeah, he was suspended indefinitely after a DWI and minor possession. And then his combine scores were bad. So that's the kind of thing that killed me is that like, I don't feel like he took it. I feel like he should have had a way better combine than what he had. Well, the the DWI was freshman year. Okay. So that happened. And then he stepped away from the team uh, this last year. Yeah, and he's going to be 24 as a rookie too. And if you if you just walk away from your team midway through your senior season, like I don't know, there's something weird about that. I I don't feel like it fits the Seahawks always compete mentality no, to say the least. I watched some tape and I read some scouting reports, but I didn't see any of that. So I was like, man, this guy could be a diamond in the rough. Well, guess what? He could what? be. You're Bill right. Dalton Keene. Okay. <laughs> You're right. You're right about Shine O'Grady, though. It's, if he lands in the right spot, let's say he the nightmare happens and he gets drafted by the Patriots and then they, they kind of bring him along, he could end up being the best tight end in this class. He would be right there with Cole Komet, I think, if he didn't have all these off-field issues. You're trying um, to press your friends, and this is what happens. So he got suspended for two games by Chad Morris, but they wouldn't disclose the reason. So we don't have the reason why he was going to be suspended. But yeah, then he was like, you know what, peace. Five-star recruit coming out of high school. Like I said, if if it, if it wasn't for the off-field, I think that you're right on it, Eric. Your scouting was good. You are correct. Yeah. Diamond in the rough for sure, but the uh, he might be a little too rough. Also, when he runs, he just looks so big. <laughs> yeah, he, like, he just looks huge when he's running in, in a football game. I'm always like kind of kind of love guys like that. Okay, uh, that's tight end. I think that's it. Is there anyone we you want to mention before we go to the next guy? Those got, are my big I, ones. I got one. You ready? All right. There's a tight end out of Memphis named Joey Magnifico. That's it. I don't I don't even like him, but I just wanted to mention it. Okay. But you'll buy the jersey if he plays for us. Magnifico. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's like when I was watching Kansas State the other day, there was a guy named Parchment, and I got really into it. I was like, man, this Parchment guy is pretty good, dude. This is a dope name, Parchment. But yeah, yeah a, him and Puka Williams. Yeah, but he'll be back next year for Kansas, and they might actually be good next year because they have less miles instead of whatever anyone else. Um, okay. Uh, offensive tackle class. It's kind of led by four guys. There's four big names that I think the Seahawks would pick at 27 if they were available, basically no matter what. They're all juniors. They all came out early. And these are all guys that I think the Seahawks, if they were available at 27, they would take him, take them without any questions. Okay, so those four players are Mekhi Becton, Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, and Jedrick Wills. Uh, they're all a little different. People like them for different reasons. Um, Kevin, do you have a favorite of the four? Jetrick Wills. Okay. My favorite was Tristan Wirfs, but I think that that's like, it's nitpicky to be honest with you to say like one of them is way better than the other. I think the tiebreaker for me was Wirfs feet are incredible. And his athletic testing was insane. Like his vertical and broad jump. Like how do you jump 30, like 121 inches, the 36 and a half vertical at 320 pounds. That's- yeah. He tested pretty good for a tight end. 
it's like like I was like my mind was blown by the athletic testing. Not that Will's tested bad. I mean, he was second in the vertical and sixth in the broad jump. He tested out of bounds too. Uh, the worst is just a little bigger and tested even better, which just kind of pushed him over the top for me. But I don't think you yeah, could go. The issue with worse is I think he might have to play guard. You really think so? Because just because the size? Like he's... Uh, no, it's because uh, I don't think he uses his size super well on the outside. And uh, he has a lot of trouble with stunts. He the way that he reads stunts at times reminded me of a Fetty. He another thing too is is because he's so good at movement in the open field, he could be like a all pro level guard or a slightly below pro level level ta- tackle or something like that. You know that could be the way it turned out. Yeah, so. I have to see when he's in a different scheme because Iowa was doing some stuff I didn't particularly particularly care for when it came to how they uh, like passed off stunts and stuff. Mm-hmm. When he gets into the NFL, I have to see how he handles it because. Um, I could see him picking it up really quick and overcoming that and then being a really good tackle. It's just because of the tape, it made me worry a little bit. So I actually have him third out of what I have as a big three. Okay. You're not going to count Mackay Becton in your big three? Uh, Mackay Becton is a tier below for me. Okay. Um, Becton yeah, mine is... goes Wills, Thomas, and then Worfs. Yeah, mine goes Worfs, Wills, Thomas, then Becton. Becton is a little scary just because he's all projection. He's 11 feet tall. Uh, 490 million pounds. <laughs> he's just, he's huge, but you, uh, he's like kind of a N N a as a, uh, as a pass blocker. You have, it's hard to tell how good he will be. Do um, you watch a video of him, Eric? Have you watched any Mackay Becton video? I have quite a bit. He reminds um, me of, uh, of our, of our soon to be someday center, Ethan Posage. Okay. Just how tall he is. Just, just how massive he is and how he gets off the ball um when people come on his uh like come at him from the right side, from his right side. I like I that he reminds me of Godzilla. I like that he's really patient though. Like he doesn't overreact to anything. He's really calm, cool customer. Like he the has guy, really light feet for being three seventy two. He moves really well and like I understand the hype. I get it. I totally get it. He just the he thing scares. I don't like is that he has literally no technique for a lot of things. If you watch, they'd be like, okay, we're going to have you do run blocking. And so he like walks up to a dude and then just like beats him with his arms. And I don't mean like wins the block with his arms. I mean, like beats him as one would with a club only using his arms. And the guy just gets thrown out of the way. And you're like, Oh wow, that must have been like a really small linebacker. And then you look it up on tape, and you're like, "No, that was a 260 pound defensive end. Never mind." My He's thing giving up 110 pounds to him. My he reminds me a little bit of Andre Dillard, where I think there'll be some growing pains, uh, just in terms of his development. Uh, where like it looks really good in college, but then when you get to the pros, it's just just different, and he's going to need to. He's got some and, ugly snaps as a rookie, and and that's fine. I mean, it is because the potential cause, is really high. The potential is you you drafted Bryant McKinney. So like mm-hmm. that's that's the that's the peak. So you don't you don't want to yeah. You don't you don't you don't you'll take a little growing pains if you end up with Bryant McKinney at the end because that's like one of the GOAT OTs of all time. Um so Kevin, do you agree with me though if one of these four guys is there at twenty seven, the Seahawks should jump in there? Uh I actually have another guy in that group. And it's uh, a guy I've ranked above Becton, but yes, I agree uh, with those four. Josh, Josh Jones. Josh Jones is the guy I have above Becton. Yeah, the, I just pro- think that he's a little bit more of a guarantee. 
Pro Football Focus agrees with you, by the way. They put Jones fourth in their in their ranking. So what do you like about Josh Jones to get him into that into the group with those other uh, those other guys? I think Josh Jones is um, he like the interesting thing is on the measurables and the athleticism, he's adequate. He checks the boxes well. But then when you look at he's still pretty young, um, he's doing really good pass blocking work, but his footwork could still get a little better. He's doing really good run blocking, but his hand usage could be a little bit better. So and he has good anchor and he handles power well, but he actually has a frame that could add a little bit of bulk to uh, his lower half. And so I see someone who's already really good. Or like he's he's already pretty darn good, but I think that his ceiling is a little bit higher. So I like that he could come in, be a plug and play tackle right away, but I don't think that he's tapped on potential yet. Yeah, the thing about Josh Jones is that right now he still looks good on the tape, but his technique is not good. Which means that if you can get him to play with better technique, he could be even better dominant. It it's interesting. He went to Houston so he could play basketball and football, which I think is pretty cool. Um, he he doesn't get like the freak athlete tag, but I think he's almost as deserving of it as some of these other guys. The fact that he played two sports and um, has the, you know, the 34 inch arms and does a lot of, and good he looks stuff. more athletic on tape than his testing numbers show. And I'm willing to trust the tape. Like he's, he's very athletic on a football field. Yeah. He'll need to learn how to do like good, good pass blocking technique to, to really stick in the NFL. But he did fine at Houston, even with the bad, Class blocking technique so and even against higher level competition like he played well against when he played well against teams when they played up i would not hate taking josh jones at 27 if he's sitting there for what it's for what it's worth too and so i would I, love taking him at the beginning of the second round after trading yeah, down if, if we traded down and got him that would be uh, pretty incredible so other so those are the the first round guys the other i other guy who's being mocked in the first round is a, a late riser uh, isaiah wilson the right tackle out of georgia uh I liked Isaiah Wilson a lot on tape. I do think that first round is a little bit much. I would put him as a clear second rounder. And um, I would say that there's two other guys, uh, USC, sorry, Austin Jackson, Austin and, Jackson. and uh, Boise State, Ezra, Ezra Cleveland, who I have to think of it by college names because I've watched now watched the videos and I just see the uniforms in my head. <laughs> uh, those three guys I think are all really close together. And if you're separating Isaiah Wilson above them, you're just getting excited about how good Georgia's offensive line was. A lot and of how these, huge he is. And he is huge. 6'6", 350, moves really well for a guy that large. Um, but it's not like Ezra Cleveland is six foot six or six foot six. Yeah, six foot six also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's Lucas not like Gaines, these guys are, six, six, Austin Jackson, six, six. Yeah. No, Austin Jackson measures six, five. Or well, under a little under, but yes, they're all these guys are all big, is the is the thing, uh, and they all have thirty four inch arms, which is what the Seahawks look for, or close enough to it. Uh, they all and the trench explosion formula for Ezra Cleveland is like off the chart. That's a guy I could seriously see the Seahawks kind of yeah, making his testing an, is gross, an effort it's to get that's good. Third in the fourth forty yard dash, fifth in the bench press, eleven in the vert, tenth in the broad jump. Uh, first in the three cone and first in the 20 yard shuttle. The first in the three cone thing is the sea hockeyest thing that, yes. <laughs> that you, that you could do 7.26 in the three cone at offensive tackle. It's very nice. He'll move really well. He'll play. He would play a great right tackle in the Seahawks uniform. Ezra Cleveland is my guy. If we, uh, if we can get him uh, in the second round or trading back from our first round, you know, into the, into the forties, that's the perfect spot. I think for him, uh, I'm really, really excited to see Ezra Cleveland in a Seahawks uniform. Uh, 
Uh, Austin Jackson, I'm a little less excited about, but he still has really good testing numbers. He bombed the three cone a little bit, which is probably makes maybe makes him uh, less of a Seahawks prospect, but it really good broad jump, really good vertical. Is this what's his trench uh, formula, Kevin? Does it good enough? Uh, 3.207. It's oh, yeah. quite good enough. Quite good enough. Yeah. So he made up for his three cone in the other in the other stuff. And he's got those 34 inch arms. Yep. And big arms. So, yeah, Austin Jackson, I think, would look great in the uniform. Uh, same thing, picking him in the 40s after a trade back or maybe even after a trade up from 59 to get him, I think would be worth it too. Uh, those are my guys in the in the second round-ish range. Uh, anybody, anybody I'm missing there, Kevin? Uh, yeah, oh wait, there's, there's one, one there's, there's, missing from me. There's, there's one guy that you really love, yeah, that I would yep. probably take. I'm a little concerned about, so I'd probably take him at the end of the round, but I do agree with you. Go ahead. Yeah, there's some big medical questions uh, based on what happened in – so Lucas Niang is an offensive tackle out of Texas Christian at TCU. And he's a guy where when you watch his film, uh, you have to do something a little funny. And you guys heard me do this pitch on our mock draft we did with Brandon. So I'm not going to rehash it completely. But basically, you need to put together his movement skills from 2018 with his uh, improved technique from 2019. Because he had a hip injury that they tried to let just heal and it didn't. So now he had to have surgery and you could see him kind of hobbled, but he hits all the measurables. He moved really, really well when he was healthy. And he's a guy who I think could be one of the highest upside draft picks you could do. He could be a late second round pick that is a first round level offensive tackle and future left tackle. Yeah, I I think that the ceiling is really high. Ceiling is like he's right there with the you know, the Josh in that Josh Jones tier, the below the Werfs tier, but, but right there in there, the floor is that he, the, the medical issues are too much and he never makes it. And so it's the true, like boom bust pick of this range of the draft. If, if, uh, if it all works out. And the thing is he could have put a lot of this to bed by just doing the combine and crushing it, but he didn't. And so I'm still concerned. Yeah. Cause he was still, <laughs> he was still recovering from the still surgery at the yeah. time. Yeah. And he didn't get a chance to have a pro day, which I think he was banking on. Yeah. So at 64, I think you take the shot. I think you shoot the shot. It's a perfect, perfect spot for him. Uh, That's also than... where I'd be looking at Isaiah Wilson is somewhere like 59 or 64. I'd love to get him there. Yeah. I think there's no way he's lasted that long though. The hype is getting out of control. And I mean, the more tape of Georgia I watched, the more I started to like, be like, Hey, this guy's like not that much worse than Andrew Thomas. So, so I get it. I get why people who are watching a lot of Georgia tape are now just slowly bumping up Isaiah Wilson a whole bunch. All right. Let's talk about a few guys that we don't like. Okay. Who are guys that we don't want the Seahawks to draft? Uh, well, I'll do yours. I'll do mine. Okay. Uh, Prince Tega Winogo. I think I'm scarred for life by how poorly he did at the senior bowl because the tape isn't as bad as that. But when I watched the senior bowl and just watched him get destroyed over and over, I think it was like, no thanks. And then he did an athletic test at the combine and I'm just, I'm kind of out on print. I, I've seen him mock the Seahawks a couple of times and every time I'm just like shake my head because there are guys that are going way later than him that I would just rather have straight up. So that's my, uh, that's my take on him. Kevin, who's your guy? Uh, first of all, I'm going to double down on what you said. Uh, my big issue with uh, Prince Tagamanogo is that he just doesn't seem to have very good football awareness. You'll see, like, um, there'll be a blitzer coming in who has a straight inside path to the quarterback, but his quote-unquote job 
would be to uh, block like the wide defensive end. So he'll go out to block the wide defensive end and then just let the free runner come in and tee off on his quarterback. And you're like, that's that's not that's not a good choice. Like, I realize that that wasn't your schematic blocking job, but you should know that you need to just like at least put a hand on that linebacker so your quarterback doesn't get murdered. Yeah, I think that and you saw a lot of that on tape. He also might be one of those guys that turns out to be like a pretty decent pass blocker, but doesn't do anything in the run game. Like I could totally see that being his future because he's he's slight and he's not like an awesome athlete. Uh, and he's like pretty his foot speed is not great, which is why I think he he didn't do the combine. I'm not sure why he didn't do the combine, to be honest with you. Um, but whatever. I don't know. All right, Kevin. He's a prince. He felt entitled. <laughs> um, actually, he did the entire combine, but he did it under a symbol instead of his name. Ah, and he so, couldn't load it into the database. So that's nice. why it's not in any of my spreadsheets. That's exactly it. <laughs> Um, so Ben Barch out of St. John's, which is a D3 school. Uh, and you'll know this because if you watch any of the tape, it looks like you're watching a high school game in like lower tier California football. And he's 6'6", 309, um, converted tight end, uh, 32 and 7 eighths inch arms, which is short for a um, outside offensive lineman. Uh, tackles, you want to be over that 33 inch mark. He relies way too much on his size for competition at low levels. He lets dudes just get into his body all the time. His technique is awful, to be quite honest. Like, he's got really light feet. He moves super well. He's got really good bend in his lower body. But he's just a complete overhaul technique-wise. And it's completely projection. I mean, only allowing four pressures in your senior year is pretty good, but you're at St. John's, so I don't really know what to right. say. And he, he didn't did, look great in the senior bowl to me. I think he did look pretty good. I, like, remind, if you look at one-on-ones, he did not look great. Oh, I meant in the game. Like, in, I the, game, that. in the game, he, he, looked, he looked all right. And the thing is, is that I just don't wonder how much he's going to be able to move uh, NFL edge players. It's it's tough. It's a it's With a difficult T Rex arms. It's a difficult projection, and I wouldn't we want to be the team that takes it. But so I get why you're why you're down on it. All right, now there's the next tier of guys. Is I'm gonna there's a couple guys here that I feel like are total projects. Uh, Matthew Pert is a good example of this. Uh, yep, and Sadiq Charles. Yeah, and Sadiq Sadiq Charles I think just needs to somehow get buff. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Like, but he just felt too slight in the tape and then he goes to the combine he weighs in like 15 pounds heavier than he ever weighs and i was like his agent definitely had him drinking a lot of water or something (laughs) i think part of it was that he's a little light and then the other part of it is i think that he is um his hand technique was terrible so he like was trying to like get his shoulder onto someone it it made him constantly like off balance and so somebody would bull rush him and they would just walk him back i didn't I didn't, uh, no, he just ran the 42. He didn't do the, the three cone or any of that stuff at the combine, which, um, and at LSU, they listed him in the media guide at 295. So I feel like that, that seems closer to right what he played at. Yeah. So it, it just seemed like he, he came in, he knew he had to be like heavier. He weighs in at the combine at 325, but it's totally a lie. And I, I don't, I don't and know. He didn't want to me. slosh his way through the three cone and end up like throwing up like in a right. uh, like, like a Disney movie or something. Right. Like, so for me, like I just don't 
I don't know what to make totally of of him and he he needs to get in an NFL weight room and get big. If he can get big, he could be really good. And that's the thing is that you're 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 betting on your your strength and conditioning coach to get him into shape. I don't feel like I want to bet on the Seahawks strength and conditioning coach. That's just that's just me, you know. It's I don't I don't feel I don't feel like um that's the guy. All right, Matt Pert. Matt Pert. Matt Pert is every measurable you want. He's six seven. Has like his arms are like the like the anchors for a bridge. You you want to know he's something? So long, crazy is that his ten yard split was so good. One point seven five seconds. That's really fast, and the Seahawks love that in their linemen. He's crazy long. He did not have a great three cone, but his vertical and broad were really good. Probably probably good enough, to, and his bench was pretty good too. Yes, probably, probably enough to make up for the the bad three cone for the Seahawks. Um, if this is a guy that we picked at the end of the third round, I probably wouldn't like cry about it. I'd be fine with it. It'd be um, it's totally a project, but it's one that if you can finish the project, it's it's there's there's upside here. Yeah, um, I would sweat him playing this year but I could see him like popping out next year and suddenly being really good. And if he's our swing tackle this year, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Kind of like the way Phil Haynes is going to turn out. I think Phil Haynes is on path to start this year. And, uh, but just, they gave him a year in the oven to kind of cook. Matt Pert could be the same kind of project where we take him in the third or the fourth, and then we give him a year to, to get ready behind Brandon shell. As any barbecue fan will tell you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna roast a side of beef, Gotta let that sink sit in the oven for a while. All right, there's a ton of late round guys um, of differing uh, skills. I think my favorite is Hakeem Adeniji out of Kansas. He's played a lot, four year starter. His, as Kevin will tell you, his physical tools are good and his technique is horrible. So, <laughs> which is weird for a four year starter, but I think he checks a lot of boxes. And the one thing I like is when a guy looks pretty good on tape with bad technique, which he did against Iowa and then you can you can like kind of say okay well if we can get his technique a little better how good could he really be and then kind of project up from there um he needs to rework a lot of stuff like his stance his base his feet like all of it needs work but as as far as like guys that you can get in round six or round seven i think that's pretty much as good as it gets for me um because at that point i'd rather have a project than a guy who's like was a good or decent uh college player but is never gonna have any ceiling you know i'd rather throw a dart on a guy that could really turn out to be something and that's the guy that i see maybe as that having that potential all right kevin who are your late round guys okay so i'm with you considering our roster i'd rather have a potential guy so i'm but i'm gonna give you a potential guy and then i'm gonna give you a uh if you want someone who can get it done ugly kind of guy okay. so alex taylor out of south carolina state um again measurable six eight 36 inch arms um, moved really well for his size, uh, needs to add a little bit of uh, anchor and a little bit of good weight, but he plays with a lot of leg bend, which at 6'8 is something a lot of people struggle with. Um, he moves really well as a lead blocker and a screenplay kind of guy. He's got a really solid kick slide. Um, he mauls dudes at the second level. So if you get him out blocking in space, he just like gives people a bad time. But his hands are usually outside. Um, his footwork is a little sloppy, which makes him vulnerable to inside moves on speed rushes. He needs a lot of technique work. Like um, he needs he needs starting snaps and he needs technique work. Eighty-eight inch wingspan is pretty crazy for. Yeah, dude, huge. For, um, um, didn't jump super high, but then jumped super far. 
which kind of weirds me out. It just uh, tells me that he's not a guy who is really well prepped for the combine. Yeah. Uh, because like, if you can, if you can jump in the 98th percentile for broad jump, nine feet, eight inches, you should be able to jump better than 18th percentile for vertical. If the skills are not that different. I don't feel like, but uh, yeah, like you said, Kevin, it's, it's South Carolina state. So you got to project a little bit. And I think that, yeah, it's a project worth taking. All right. And then if you want a guy who's just can come in and be functional right away, John Runyon, um, out of Michigan, uh, that name's probably familiar to you if you've been following the NFL for a while, because it'll remind you of John Runyon out of Michigan. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, he did go for back to college, and now he's back for round two. That's John, exactly it. It's his, it's John Runyon Jr., yeah. It's, yes. It's, it's the little guy. Um, um, his size and athleticism are adequate, is probably the word that I would use. Like C minus C. Um, he could add some functional strength. Uh, that can make it a little bit of a problem against uh, like bull rushes on the outside if someone's really, really powerful. But uh, the big thing is if he can get his hand usage better, he moves pretty well. He plays with good leg bend. He gets his, uh, like, he picks up stunts really well. He has a good football IQ. Um, he just needs to work on kind of hand usage because his hands can get wide and then he ends up leaning over and then he's off balance. And yeah, he, when you're off balance, his, you don't have any power. His, uh, it's weird because you, his tape against Chase Young is really bad. It's a disaster, uh, to the point where I just kind of went, no, not for me. <laughs> but, but, uh, it's not good. But yeah, you're right. He could come in and, and, and just think about ugly right tackle on a seventh round pick that yeah. just is like really functional for a long time as a okay right tackle. And he could back up a bunch of positions because I do think he has interior offensive line potential as like a guard. Um, one thing that's weird is that his techniques are not his techniques not that good, and his dad is John Runyon. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of odd. Like you wonder what's going on. But when we get to interior offensive line in a future podcast, I'm not super impressed with Michigan's offensive line coaching. I'll just put that on tape now. Yeah, it's. I, I think you're right. I think it's like maybe part of a institutional problem as less than a John Runyon himself problem because his movement seems good enough to me, but his techniques all over the place. And it's. I would have expected a guy who was the son of a Pro Bowl. Uh, or the he's a junior. You know, he's the junior of a Pro Bowl offensive tackle. You'd think that it would be a, a little bit tighter, but yeah, just it's not there. Like um, if he had a Thaddeus Moss, I'm getting everything I can out of my body type thing. He'd be Jack Conklin. Yep, I think that's uh, totally fair. Uh, all right, Eric, any offensive tackles we missed or any guys that really stood out for you? Or I know this is a position we're probably going to draft, so I just like felt like we should cover everyone because one of these guys is probably ending up on the Seahawks or some athletic freak that sent in a, a video to the Seahawks that we didn't see because there's no pro days. Oh, and I have another dude we left out, but he's also going to be covered in guards. So uh, Is it Jack Driscoll? No, it's Robert Hunt. Oh, Robert Hunt. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's fair. We'll talk about him. Yes, I believe he is more of a guard than a tackle. So, um, About five weeks ago, like when I first started doing like the draft machine, I was really like, and we're not going to have any tackles fall to us. I, th- I can see a lot of teams taking tackles, and I still kind of see that, but I think if we can trade out of the first and get the second, uh, like the early second, and, and pick up an, a tackle there, I think that's fine. I think it's fine if we do it in the first round. The more I look at it, I like that idea, and I think it's actually pretty plausible. Uh, there's some guys I like also in like the third round that I think if we if they fall to us or if we just pick what's there, I think we're going to be okay. 
Um, what do you guys think about the UW tackles, uh, Trey Adams and uh, what, Hilbers? I uh, think Jared Hilbers is a guard, I don't probably. like Hilbers, for the record. And I think uh, Trey Adams is the least athletic tackle because everything got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, like, there's, alter- right? there's some alternate timeline where Trey Adams uh, never gets hurt. And he is an all pro tackle because the technique is so good. Yeah. And but his body just didn't hold up to playing football. And football's a brutal sport. And that just happens. And if it for sucks. some reason he ends up being sitting there in the sixth and we end up taking him going, maybe he can get his body right if he gets like a lot of rehab time. I mean I'm okay he got his upside play. He got dead last in every drill that he did at the combine. So it's it's um, and he got whooped on tape by Utah. Yeah, Utah Bradley, took him out behind the tool shed and beat him. Bradley and a is like some really bad tape for him. Um, but I mean, it, the thing is, you see his technique and you're like, I see what he's trying to do here. He, it should work, but he just seems to have lost the athleticism that he had as a, you know, when he was 19 or whatever. It's just and then when he was in it, did you have you watch the Ohio State 2018 tape, Kevin? Yeah, he would have these beautiful blocks on really high-level edge talent, and then he would just be stiff as a board and not able to move well enough and get over to a guy and get whooped. Chase Chase Young kind of whooped him, but whenever they put Chase Young in front of him, it was like... But then he would block... uh, Gosh, who was the other guy that they had? Yeah, and 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 they're like, what's going on here? He did fine against Bosa, which makes me... That, that tape is part of the reason I'm so high on Chase Young is because, like, if Bosa had trouble and Young just whooped him, uh, yes, that's that's real nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, some, that's some good stuff, Chase Young. Uh, probably going to make the Pro Bowl next year. Um, so, yeah, tackles. I, I think tackle is a, a position of, uh, of concern for the Seahawks. It's a position in the draft, though, which is nice. Yeah, and Eric, you said it. Everyone kind of needs tackles. There's been a shortage, and now all of a sudden, I think like ten competent ones are coming into the league at the same time. And we're gonna—it's gonna be interesting to see where they all go because I think Wells, Worth, Beckton, Thomas, Niang, Jones, Jackson, uh, Wilson, and uh, Cleveland are all basically starters on day one, and that's ten dudes. So, yeah. and are all those guys gonna be gone by the end of round two? Maybe that's definitely a possibility that every single one of those guys goes before 59, when which I, is kind of crazy. I think you can't really, <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but you can't count on teams to be smart. But I look at like the Detroit lions, Detroit lions need a lot. What don't they need? And at that, w- if you have that sort of team and that sort of pick in the draft, why aren't you going tackle? But a lot of people don't have them picking a tackle. They say they're going to go linebacker, which is bizarre. So, um, it's, it's just like you don't know what other teams are going to do and how teams, how smart teams are going to be. All right. Uh, you guys ready for some uh, some money zone? Yes. All right. Do it. There are many ways to help out the Seahawks Nest podcast, but the best way to do so is to head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, you can be like, we have so, we're getting new patrons all the time. I feel like people are appreciating our effort to uh, step our game up. Be like Jason, our first new Patreon in April. Uh, he's he's in the Discord. He's hanging out. Thanks, Jason. Um, yeah, thanks, Jason. And um, let me look at the names that I got to read for this because on Tuesdays, I read the names. You know what I'm saying? That's what, <laughs> that's what I do. So let's say thank you to sort. 
Tim, it's Patreon website's <laughs> lagging. Timothy, Sorry. James, Lucas, Carrie, Tom, Brandon, Nick, Frank, Bob, uh, Rick, Richard, Kieran, oh. Mike, Brett, Floctimus, Michelle, and Brian, and everyone else. Uh, thanks to Malcolm. And it, I, I'm just really enjoying, uh, to be honest with you, the fact that this Discord, I feel like, has brought our uh, community together a little bit, brought everyone into the light, got us chatting it up, chopping it up about the Seahawks, posting our links, making fun of uh, Mike Leach, so, so, just stuff like that, you know. It's been it's been quite enjoyable. Me and Kevin posting mock drafts all the time and people uh, giving them... Far the, too uh, many mock drafts. <laughs> giving, giving them the... Giving them the Drake yes or the Drake no. That's exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Movie club. We're we're doing the low-key movie club now where we give a suggestion for you to stream. Eric, start us off. What's your uh, streaming oh, suggestion oh, for... Oh, don't, don't start me off this week. Kevin, start us off. What's your streaming suggestion this week? All right. Um, going first, I'll go back to that Netflix well, uh, trying to spread it across the different platforms. And one of my favorite directors currently going is well it's Dennis Phil in the wave but it's also Edgar Wright and Edgar Wright has Scott Pilgrim versus the world uh sitting on Netflix right now it is a 2010 movie if you're listening to this podcast you probably have watched it before watch it again if you haven't watched it before watch it um it has a character who is not super likable but the arc that they go through makes them a lot more of an enjoyable character than they would otherwise be. You get to see a lot of actors, um, let's say, towards the beginning of the breakout of their career. Um, the soundtrack is excellent. The attention to detail is really good. It's just a good way to spend two hours. All right. And uh, Eric, do you got it now? Or you, you want oh, me to I'm, go? I'm, I was ready. I just didn't want to lead with it because <clears throat> my, okay. my pick's a little nerdy. I can go now. Um I just feel like I, I want I want Kevin to hit with film, and then you're probably going to hit with you know something fun or filmish. Okay. Uh, so one thing I started to do a few months ago was I'm going to watch every Star Wars thing in order, and outside of the video games. And so <laughs> I stopped at Episode Two, like after Episode Two, uh, that that per- piece of garbage, and I decided to start the Clone Wars, uh, the cartoon on Disney Plus. And I made it all the way through up until these new episodes that are dropping every Friday. Uh, you know, with COVID, they're not dropping the whole series all at once. Thanks a lot, Disney Plus, you jerks. Um, so I, <laughs> I cannot continue this watch-a-thon except for every Friday I get this new 26-minute episode. And I got to say, like, there's uh, we're on the seventh season, the final season. There's a lot of episodes. There's a lot of trash. If you're a Star Wars nerd... There's some really cool things in there. And if you're not a Star Wars nerd, there's some really good storytelling in there sometimes. I'm enjoying that. Um, I'm also enjoying rewatching old comedies because I feel like I need that a little more right now. I want to laugh a lot more. Um, John Mulaney comedy specials on Netflix. Go get them. All right. You are ready for this? By the time that you hear this, Parasite will be available on Hulu. Uh, oh, it, yes. Available to stream April 8th. Uh, so... If you haven't seen Parasite yet, that's what you should do. You should probably have not even listened to this podcast. You should have watched Parasite first. Uh, that's and you, even if you have seen it, you probably should watch it again. It's that good. But then you should hop on the Letterboxd, or sorry, hop on the uh, you you could go on Letterboxd, but you could go on uh, our Discord and go into the movie club chat, and then we could talk about it because you want to talk about it. It's really good. So Parasite, uh, that's my uh, that's my movie club because I it comes out tomorrow. 
and I think it's. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it again for for free. Uh, I'm I mean, excited to I, watch I, it. I bought I guess, it. I was impatient. Talk to Kevin about it. I pay for Hulu, so it's not really free. All right, we have a bonus question right here. Keith asked us, and I it, during the podcast on the Discord, and I thought, you know what, let's get to this right at the end. Uh, we'll, we'll close with this. What do you make of the request for extra rounds in the draft, Eric? What do you think? Um, the GMs want to go ten rounds instead of seven. Yeah, I kind of. I wonder if we were going to talk some of the the weird things that coaches and um, and GMs are talking about right now. Uh, this is a good question. Honestly, like. <laughs> I say, why don't we why don't we meet them halfway and give them eight rounds? Um, Ten rounds seems like a little more of a team control thing. I feel like that's that's almost unfair to the XFL. Don't ask me where I'm coming up with that. It just seems like, come on, get, throw the XFL a little bit of a bone. Uh, it's seventh round picks. Not a lot of them are making rosters, so I don't really get this uh, get this request. But I think that there are some gems that are found, uh, you know, in free agency and some teams. Uh, namely the terrible ones who can't really research their talent or find a way to get jealous about it. Yeah. Okay. Kevin, what do you think about 10-round draft? Uh, also, uh, I, think, no, I think the priority free agent UDFA system takes care of that on its own. Um, I think, if anything, that's kind of taking away some of the control from the kids. Yeah, I, I actually like it because I think that it's gonna the UDFA thing is going to be harder this year, and it just gives the teams a chance to just kind of more uh, equitably address the, that system. And I'm fine with it. I think our scouting department is good too. So if anybody, you know, if you look at the history of guys who got drafted in the sixth round or later, it's, it's dire, like not hardly any of those guys make it. So I don't think it matters. We do better with GFAs than we do with seventh round picks. Right. So it's just like, whatever. I don't, I don't really care that, that much um the whole like we're all afraid that that hacker man belichick's gonna hack our our zoom calls or whatever is so awesome to me i just love it it's cracks me <laughs> up so much and every I, every time someone talks about it is post that gif of belichick eating and then looking through the binoculars i know you know what i'm talking about <laughs> that, like it, that's an all-time great gif and so i'll see i like that you post the gif of hacker man from uh <laughs> what's the what's the movie uh, it's uh, it was um, it's the ah, oh, it's the, that cheesy like eighties riff, Fury? Kung Fury. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other thing too is I, I don't know if you guys heard, but the UFC is going to put on their event this Saturday from like an undisclosed location. I freaking love this cool stuff. Take, cool Basically, the UFC is like a Bond villain right now, or maybe like Mortal Kombat or something. It's like <laughs> no, it's the Quest with Jason. Da- Dana White said he has a private island ready to go, so they can keep putting on events. That's the, that's 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 straight up Bond villain stuff. So that's my favorite. Um, I can't wait for the documentary about Bond. this to happen. All right. So for Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,